Welcome to the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Moore, and with me are my co-hosts, James Woodard and Nick Pascarella. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, Nick. Just in here waiting for the snow to start tomorrow. How about yourself? Well, I'm just waiting for uh, freezing rain and drizzle. Yeah, I feel you. It's uh, lots of fun. So how about you, Nick? I like that we're talking about the weather again. Now we got some cold stuff coming <laughs> up as well, but I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Everybody stay warm. <laughs> Appreciate you guys being on tonight. A little over a year ago, Nick reached out to myself and some others about the possibility of planning an adventure to a very remote area of Death Valley in California to shoot some jets flying through a canyon. Unfortunately, I was unable to commit, but fortunately for all of my fellow Full Disc Aviation readers, Nick and James were able to make this adventure happen. Like the explorers who came before them, James and Nick both recognized that a guide from the local area would be a benefit to help them understand the lay of the land. Our guest for this episode is that guide. I would like to welcome to the show the appropriately nicknamed Canyon Sherpa himself, Mike Henry. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I'm doing really good, thank you. We got the cold weather here in Northern California. Uh, with a couple inches of snow today. It's a good time. Yeah. You sent us some video of that. That uh, that looks quite nice. We haven't had any good snow here for a long time, so I'm very jealous. Well, thank you all for joining me. Our topic for this episode, as you've probably already figured out, is a slice of aviation photography heaven known by many as Star Wars Canyon, the Jedi Transition, or even by its official name, Rainbow Canyon. This canyon connects the Owens and Panamint Valleys and has been used by military aviators for low-level training since World War II. The various locations along the canyon rim are amongst the very few places in the world where photographers can look down to shoot the aircraft flying below them between the canyon walls. Before I turn the guys loose telling more about their unforgettable experiences, I do want to offer one quick somber disclaimer. On July 31, 2019, a Super Hornet piloted by Lieutenant Charles Walker impacted the canyon wall and Lieutenant Walker was killed. Since then, the canyon has been closed to low-level traffic. Our continued thoughts and condolences go out to the family of Lieutenant Walker and his VFA-151 family. Even in loss, the training will continue as it always has. So now that I've spoken for long enough, let's go back to a happier time. Nick, I really want to know what possessed you to plan this trip. I think really it was uh, catching military jets in the wild again. I had just been to air shows for a couple years leading up to that, and I needed uh, I needed a little something extra, a little something you know unexpected. And uh, everything I'd been seeing from the canyon looked just unbelievable. And the stuff that uh, Mike on his Instagram was just it was surreal. It was Tatooine, and uh, I needed that. I needed some desert in my life so i you know made the call and reached out and james was the only one that was able to uh join me across uh across the country yeah we started planning in what early november and we flew out there in february is that what we did i think so uh i i was thinking hard about it in october Mm -hmm. uh and then end of january um the week between the NFC AFC championship games and the Super Bowl. Conveniently. We don't need to watch a Pro Bowl. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was during that weekend, end of January, okay. twenty seven uh twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, I think. Mm, sounds right. What made you pick that time to go? It was during red flag 
the f- the first one that year. Red Flag is a series of training exercises, um, typically out of Nellis. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and many countries come in with a bunch of different squadrons, and they all work together and do very realistic war training and to catch them in the wild, which uh, my ultimate goal was to catch a typhoon going through, but it was not to be. Um, that was our best shot. And it was cold, and there was nothing going on at home, and I was itching for some jet noise. We got it. We did. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a, uh, you got a picture of me landing, right, on your cell phone? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I got to the airport before you, and I was waiting for you, and I was like, ah, there's Nick. Let me try to get some shots of him, so. I, yeah, I was pretty happy about that for, I don't know. It was just kind of funny to see my airplane <laughs> landing. I don't know. Well, we went to a Walmart to stock up and get a whole bunch of food and stuff, and uh, we were getting some cold cuts, and uh, this dude, I I don't even know how it turned out to be so long. What was he doing that was taking so long? It took him like a good 45 minutes to get us a pound of cold cuts, right? Yeah, yeah, it was all of 45 minutes, and we would get ham, turkey, and cheese, and a whole lot of frustration between me and Nick, and not wanting to say anything, just pacing around like come on yeah i had to walk away at one point like you know just (laughs) muttering to myself like some grumpy old man and he's he's like making these like terrible non-jokes while he's like (laughs) moving around like a sloth i don't know who he was but he should be demoted hopefully he's not listening (laughs) anyway that that significantly delayed us because we were trying to do some stuff before that but anyway yeah we got on the road after that yeah, it was definitely memorable for a uh, negative reason, I would say. But it's something we look back and laugh at now. Then the same thing happened uh, earlier this year down in South Carolina. So don't go to Walmart <laughs> in Vegas or South Carolina and get cold cuts. It takes too long. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you guys both arrived there. I assume you had a rental car. Yeah, we got this. Uh, was it a Sentra? Uh, I thought it was an Altima. Altima is one of the base level uh, Nissans. And um, we hopped in that bad boy and off we went into the desert sunset the way a movie would look. Um, Except we, you know, as we got above 70 miles an hour, the molding on the top of the windshield (laughs) would flap against the top of the hood really fast. (laughs) When it first happened, we're like, what is that noise? Yeah, I was like, our car's breaking down. (laughs) We're going to have a serious problem out here in the desert. No one's going to be able to reach us. We're already out of cell phone reception range north of Vegas. I was like, this is this is going really well. It took us five hours to get cold cuts. Now our car is going to blow up. Um, <laughs> but no, it's just the molding on top of the uh, on top of the windshield. It was a little unsettling, but we drove off into our desert sunset. Um, the roads out there at night, uh, like infinity, seems like a proper word for that. They yeah, it just keeps going. Yeah, the the road markers on both sides kind of led to a point directly in front of you and looked like a wall that you were driving into. And, you know, you look down, you're doing 85, 90 miles an hour just cruising because the roads are straight and there's nothing for miles. Um, And I, I occasionally touch the brakes, like, feeling like we were going to run into a wall, but it's just, you know, empty road and the everything converging in front of us miles ahead. Wild stuff. Yeah, we had the trip, you had the route pretty much planned out, so you kind of had an idea. 
which way you're going. You didn't not like we'd landed in Vegas and put it in GPS and said, all right, we're on our way. I think we both kind of looked it out, looked it up ahead of time to kind of realize what we were looking at with the drive. Yeah, I was honestly kind of looking forward to it. I've um, I spent some time with my family in around desert areas, but this is my first real time in the desert and doing it at night was really interesting. Um, but we drove for three and a half hours or so. And then, uh, we had agreed that we weren't going to stop in the parking lot on our way up. How'd that work out? Yeah. We're just going to go get some rest. We saw the sign and I pulled in immediately. Uh, (laughs) 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 and, uh, we stopped the car, like got out and stood up. And I remember hearing the blood just flowing out of my head i could hear my heartbeat i think you were standing on the other side of the car you're like this is peace man you could Mm -hmm. see the milky way horizon to horizon clear as day it was unbelievable yeah quiet as can be just so many stars that you i had never seen that before yeah it was gorgeous glad we stopped it's absolutely amazing out there i mean I, i love being out in the desert for for that reason I mean, it's so easy to get lost. There's no light, no reference point. The stars in the sky there are just amazing. They're they're so black, and there's no reference points on the ground. Everything's in the sky. It's really, really cool to see. That's that's really cool. And I the the darkness like along the horizon is just astounding to me. Like on the East Coast, there's never some place you can go where in 360 degrees, each direction you look, it's going to be dark along the horizon. Um, it's just not that way out here, sadly. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of taken back by it at first, and then once your eyes adjust to it, it even gets better and better the longer you're out there. Yeah. And you know, then you start to think about the fact that you know most of those lights are probably galaxies with hundreds of millions of stars. Mm. Did you have any moon to speak of uh, that first night that you were there? think so i b- i believe the moon came up around uh like 11 or around midnight cali time um and then i think earlier each night after that i think if i my memory serves me correctly i remember looking that up and hoping that we wouldn't have a moon all right and it got cloudy after that first night there were a couple times where we went out and it was uh you know, it was just black. Yeah, the first night was definitely the best night. Um, after we left the parking lot, Father Crowley Vista, we got got to our uh, trailer that we had rented, um, unpacked it a little bit, and then we're like, let's go back out. So we took the road that the trailer park kind of sat next to. Didn't really know where the hell we were going. Just went up there towards the mountains and started shooting there. And glad we did that because, like Mike just mentioned, it got cloudy pretty much the rest of the time we were there. So that's when we really got some nice photos up there. Yeah, that was our definitely the clearest night. And it was, you know, we were both dead tired, but that was definitely worth it. Yeah, well, it was a gamble. It was either we either do it now when we're tired or may not get to do it again because we don't know what the weather's going to be. Exactly. So glad we did it. Let's back up just a tad. When did uh, when did you guys get hooked up with your Sherpa? Well, I'd been um, bugging Mike for... Uh, pretty much everything under the sun for a number of months prior to leading up to that. Everything from locations to how to get there to will I survive to 
uh, shutter speeds within the canyon. He did this great expose with a whole bunch of different shutter speeds that he put on Instagram, um, which really shows, you know, the like the striking photo where it's the jet and just milky blur background and then also just tack sharp. You could see all the little rocks and stuff underneath the jet. And he did an awesome job with that. But um but yeah, Mike, did I did I blow you up enough to get you annoyed? No, not at all, man. I always get excited <laughs> about that sort of thing just because I love you know, I love going to the canyon. I love jet. So anybody else that's expressing interest and is stoked on that, then yeah, I just want to kind of share my stoke with everybody else. Well, I really appreciated it. And it was, absolutely. Yeah. Like sharing, sharing this experience of aviation is, uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. So when did you guys actually get hooked up when you're out there? Did you meet up at the, at the overlook or at your lodging or, or what? The next day, um, I think we woke up a little early, did some sunrise type shootings that same road we did uh the night shooting the uh previous night. We went out to the canyon hoping to meet up with Mike. We weren't sure where he was at exactly. Went to the parking lot, um, not at the overlook, but just west of that. Um we're out there for a couple hours, I think, probably waiting. Hadn't seen any jets yet. I think what we get one jet come through before we actually went up to the top to that's where we actually first met Mike. We saw two of those F sixteen. Oh, there's two, okay. Um I uh we got to the little the turn off where Pano is where we spent the first part or the first uh the first, first day. day. Mm-hmm. Uh Father Crowley overlook is the parking lot. Uh this is farther up the canyon at about where the canyon kinda turns. Uh, up on a hill overlooking, you know, the canyon walls. We pulled into the turnoff there, our Nissan, you know, straining and grunting over the rocks, everything shaking. <laughs> um, but we didn't see Mike, and we didn't see anybody, because the the spot is, like, up over a hill. So we went down, and I took a hard left and walked all the way around the canyon rim to a funky spot where I could essentially... I was almost kind of in the canyon looking straight through it. Um, I have some interesting shots from that, but we were there from sunrise and uh, kind of got caught by surprise by the two F-16s. But after that, we followed the path up to the proper spot of Pano, and that's where we met Mike. Yeah, that first part was actually where we went to first right right away. It was actually kind of neat just to get shots of the overall canyon from there. I agree. Seeing you on the other, I won't say the other side of the canyon, but kind of quite a bit of ways, taking pictures of you, and you're just a little speck. It's like, man, that's a pretty good walk, buddy. Yeah, we were quite a ways away from each other. I I have some of those shots of you looking like you're on Mars or something. (laughs) The way the sunlight's hitting you with all the bushes around you. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty cool stuff, but uh, yeah, when we finally got up to the, the top of pano that first day um the first good pass we got was uh vfa2 bounty hunters and in the uh story i wrote for full disc aviation which um covers a lot of things not everything but a lot of things uh i say we got hands someone shouted undoubtedly seeing the backseater of the last super hornet throwing up the peace sign as they dove Mm -hmm. in it wasn't the peace sign 
There's a bounty hunters VFA two. He's throwing up a two for us. Oh, okay. I got that wrong. I wanted to correct that for the record. Should we just issue a correction on the website? <laughs> <laughs> Public apology. Yeah, let me get my my red editor's pen and just like <laughs> exit out. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, you mentioned Pano and uh, are are there various areas there that have different names that really give you a different perspective on things or can you talk about that a little bit there really are um mike you're probably the best one to answer that question because you've been to them all i think i i have shot in every part of the canyon except for the the other side so yeah you've got pano up top and that you know basically where the entrance is um and that gives you a sweeping panoramic view of the canyon and Panamint valley behind it um as you go down a little bit um like you mentioned, Father Crowley Vista in the parking lot. That's, um, talk about easy access. You can just park in a paved parking lot. Um, there's a restroom. <laughs> um, and you actually get a really good view. I mean, from a photographer's perspective, I mean, you're really only getting uh, belly shots. But if you're just a tourist out there and you see an F-18 come ripping through, it's pretty spectacular. Um, a little bit further down, you've got um, paraplegic which paraplegic point is named that because it's so easy to get to. Um, if you were in a wheelchair, you could get out and watch some jets go through. Um, that gives you a, a, also a really good spot, you know, a nice dynamic view is they really start to, they make that corner and dive in. My favorite spot is a little bit further down from that. And that is the, the saddle. And it just, it's called the saddle because it looks like, you know, a couple of saddles. Um, a little bit harder to get to. You gotta you gotta drive down a ways. Uh, you gotta do a little bit of a hike, um, but it's not horrible. Um, and then from there, you just hike down to the exit, which you know you can't pick up the jets as quick when they come around the first corner. But um, you get a nice dynamic view of the aircraft, and um, the the rock formations change quite a bit in the color, and you can really see where it gets its name, Rainbow Canyon just because of all the colors and they're really prominent at the exit. Yeah. The saddle, it's, it's a hike to get there, but if I can do it, I think most people can do it. I I, I had to stop once or twice to, to gather myself a little bit, but, but that, that probably was still my favorite spot. Well, that's like one of the things about the Canyon too. It's like, it's nothing. It's not extremely difficult to get to any one part, but the altitude for most people is mm-hmm. what will affect you. Um, you know, you can be in pretty decent shape, but if you're at sea level and then all of a sudden you're at 5,000 feet, you know, you've got, you know, that much less oxygen to uh, to work with. Yep. Is that where the canyon is, about 5,000 feet? Yeah, Father Crowley is just above 5,000 feet. It dips okay. down quite a bit. So looking at all the... Uh awesome photos that you guys posted and we might as well just throw in the shameless plug now, but the story on the full disc aviation website is called rainbow and it's just got some of the most beautiful photography that I've ever seen. Um, so kudos to you guys for knocking it out of the park, but thank uh, you, yeah, thank you. Yeah, just judging by, you know, how many great photos there are. I, I assume that you can, you know, one could just go there and jets are just flying through all day long every day of the week. Is that, is that how it goes? No, it's not all day, every day. It's it's like fishing. You know, there's, there's not a, a published schedule. There's nothing like that. Um, you know, it's it's used by a lot of people. You've got Lemoore right over um, the other side of the mountains. 
you've got Edwards right down the hill. You've got China Lake right down the hill. Um, yeah, I mean, those are like the, and Nellis isn't all that far away. So you have all of those. So you, you know, one day you could get, um, some Vipers from the weapon school. Um, you get a lot of gray jets out of Lemoore. Um, or you can get, uh, you know, some test pilots out of Edwards as well. So the, um, you know, you'll see F-16s with some interesting stuff hanging off of them or uh, a bunch of T-38s. Or if you're Sacktown, you can get an RV. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Get an RV uh, and yeah. a bone. Yeah. 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 C-17, cool. but, uh, you know, there's it, everything and anything could go through there. I mean, you know, I've caught, let's see, every aircraft in the U.S., like every fighter, um you know, visiting squadrons like like to come through. Let's see, I've gotten the aggressors out of Alaska when they were in town. Incredible um, shots. You, Raptors out of Vegas. Um, you know, really, I did, everything just goes through there. You know, I've caught in every West Coast um, Super Hornet squadron through there. Um, the only thing I haven't gotten is the the B one. That would be like basically like the last unicorn. Um, the last, like, right after, like, well, when you guys were there, we caught the the Harriers. That was the first time I ever, I would ever seen yeah, the Harriers. Yeah, I was that was your unicorn, and we were there when you got that. Yep, and I was just waiting for A-10s, and I finally got those in April. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, every frontline fighter in the U.S. Um, will go through there at some point, or has gone through there at some point, and some exotic stuff as well, I think. Was it like two years ago? Some B-52s made some uh, pretty low pass. And actually Whoa. there's landlocked shots of a B-52 um, oh. going th- towards uh, Panamint. Nice. Yeah, Goodness. it's just, uh, you know, for an, an aviation photographer, it's a great spot to be because everything comes through and it's really not inaccessible. Um I'm sure you guys were probably a little taken aback about how easy it is to get to a lot of the spots there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, if you can find your way to, to California and get yourself a rental car, it's, you know, it's a couple-hour drive from an airport, but it's not that bad. Yeah, it it really didn't take that much. Well, it, it took a lot, just time and effort, but the, you know, we got in a car in Vegas and just drove until we got to that parking lot. And that was it. Yeah. Once yeah. you, once you commit to it, it's, uh, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. We went at a good time too, where, I mean, the one day it was really windy, kind of cold, but not bad. But I think we went at a good time where you weren't out there in the dead of summer where you're just sweating like crazy. So yeah. I think that helped our experience too. It was very windy that first day. Yeah. That first day was windy. Yeah, in July, you can get wind and, you know, 110 degrees at the same time. It can be pretty inhospitable. There's no doubt about that. That sounds terrible. But the wintertime, I mean, you know, you can get dried out pretty quick with that wind. You know, plus if it's sitting at 30 degrees, that high elevation, it doesn't, you know, it won't warm up in the day too much. Right. Um, especially when the wind's going. But uh, I don't know. It's not that bad. You get rewarded for the effort. That's for sure. Yeah. We certainly was it were... last winter that uh, that caught a pass, and I think there was wasn't there snow on the rocks. Oh yeah, there. Um, well, I'm not sure if there was snow on the rocks in the canyon. I mean, some other people might have been there for that. Um, I actually think it did snow in the canyon, 
But when we were there, like, you know, a lot of the mountains in the back did have snow on them that was mm-hmm. pretty special. Yeah. Yeah, those are some of my favorite shots is when they're just diving in and you got the mountains in the back that are snow-capped kind of. It's like, oh, I want more of them now. <laughs> yeah. After you're done and you go home and you start looking at your pictures, you're like, yeah, going back, that's what I'm focusing on. It's pretty wild, too, like, because I'll go back even now. And, you know, I've been going since the end of 2016. And um, I'll go back to that first trip and find stuff that I didn't realize, like, oh, wow, this is really good. This is really special. And then just start playing around with it. And boom, it's like another trip. <laughs> that's that's I awesome. Can, I, I can uh, attest to that as well, too. I go back to those photos weekly, probably, and just start messing with them and wishing I was back there. Yeah. Same here. It's really cool to see how your taste and style evolves. And if you've saved a lot of those photos and go back to them, you see things that you wouldn't have seen the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely know there were a bunch of stellar shots, in my opinion, of the stuff that I took that I didn't even notice the first time around. So I wasn't looking for certain things. Yeah, it's really easy to get kind of, you get, you know, geeked up about the, uh, you know, that knife edge pass that's right in front of you that you, you know, you nailed it the three twentieth or one sixtieth of a second. And then, you know, you just completely overlook something that just shows an amazing landscape and really Mm -hmm. captures a moment. Yeah, that's those actually the photos I've been looking at a lot lately are the, I remember when we'd be shooting and a jet would be gone by and then I'm like everyone around me is kind of looking at their screen. I'm still just like shooting, just burning off shots as he's flying off across Panamint. And some of those shots are my favorite shots, just a tiny little jet in the distance, but it's got the whole landscape of colors back there. It's a pretty cool use of negative space you've got there. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes the, the jet, you know, being the focal point, it's, you know, I don't know if I feel like you can zoom out a lot easier and just, I mean, it's still just an un- unbelievable landscape. It's hard to do anything bad out there. Yeah. That's one thing I enjoyed too, is just watching the light change throughout the day. Cause you're out there all day. Yeah. So just watching the light change on the Canyon walls throughout the day and the colors kind of change and the clouds, it, it's just, even if there's no jets out there, it's, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. The landscape so, yeah. is absolutely stunning. Excuse me. And uh yeah, you don't need a jet. If you get a jet, it's a good day. If you get two jets, it's a fantastic day. Anything more than that and it's just, you know, unreal. It does kind of feel like that a little bit. We were very lucky when we were out there that first day. I think we got uh 19 passes. Yeah, um I forget what our numbers were exactly, but it, it sounds close. 19 it was around 20 something and then 24, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was a solid period of time that you guys were out. It was jets every day, a lot of them. Yeah. And I assume a lot of that had to do with Red Flag? Likely, I would think, right? Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I you know, from checking the squadron list, I mean, we didn't get any, any foreigners coming through, because I think it was the right. RAF Typhoons, and then Australia brought F-18s. Um, but they didn't come through... And I stayed like another two days after you guys had left, and they didn't come through at all. Hmm. That's a bummer. Yeah. 
I think usually what happens with red flag is that it's not necessarily the red flag traffic that you get, although that can happen depending on what the mission profile is for the day. But I think it's because the um, the ranges get used up, and so traffic has to go somewhere else. And I think that, you know, if you're out there for those days when traffic happens to be coming through, it's, it's a great day. I think I was out there in uh, 2018 during red flag... Uh, it's eighteen two, and we got forty six passes, and it was all red flag participants that we'd gotten the day before at Nellis. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a that was a great day. I'm sure. I was about to say twenty passes is quite a bit, but you know, again, you're out there for what eight nine hours, so it's a lot of sitting and chilling and hanging out and. Just listening to the desert speak its desert song, yeah, and watching the clouds change and the colors change, and but you have to, you can't just like go to sleep on it because the second you do, a jet pops up over the mountains and dives in, and you're like, "What? Uh, I was in the wrong settings." <laughs> yeah, it's nice when someone out there has a radio too, so you can kind of somewhat be prepared that something might be coming. Uh, doesn't always work out, but that was nice having couple of people out there with the radios that kind of helped it yeah, so elaborate on that a little bit i mean what uh you know you're sitting in your lawn chair and you know enjoying whatever there is to enjoy what what kind of notice do you get um i mean talk through that a little bit well really you just you when you're sitting and waiting you just have one ear to the horizon because they generally come in from one direction and you hear a little bit of jet sound sometimes you know they'll go overhead in one direction and uh, you'll know that in four to five minutes, you are, there's a high probability that you're going to get a pass. But there's other times where, you know, traffic's just overhead and that's it. That's all you get. But usually it's just that faint rumbling off in the distance and everybody gets interested. And then... Someone starts yelling jet. Yep. And then once, once something pops around the corner, um, you know, people scream jet. Everybody jumps. Things go flying. <laughs> and everybody runs to their spot on the the rim of the canyon, you know, careful not to get in anybody's way, but at the same time, like get the, getting their shot as well. And it's, uh, you know, like 30 seconds of like mass chaos and then three seconds of jet noise. And then everybody walks back usually like with a huge smile on their face, whooping a little bit. And then it's all three minutes of chimping. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, especially if the wind is blowing a little bit the wrong direction, you won't hear anything until he's on top of you. Um, sometimes if it's uh, calm as it was uh, day two and three, uh, you can hear a little bit of that telltale, you know, like off in the distance. Um, but it helps to be very aware. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, the Navy passes when they come straight over from behind you, those are the tricky ones because <laughs> you can't track them as well and, uh, you don't hear them, you know, you don't get as much notice, you know, with your ears. It's like, Oh crap. There's a jet right there. Yeah. yeah we had a couple there that first day, I think that were like right over top of us came from behind. You're like, what the heck? And you're expecting him to go into the Canyon. So you're you're setting up on a spot at the edge of the canyon to try to get the best view possible, but when they hold the turn just outside the canyon, 
uh, all of a sudden you're looking down a row of photographers' heads instead of <laughs> this jet. Um, I feel like that happened more than once to me. Yeah. A lot of heads. A lot of heads in photos. So so what was your uh, favorite pass? That, what would you consider your favorite pass out there, Nick? Mine? Of the whole trip? Yeah. Mmm. Oh, man. Oh, I hadn't thought about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, man, brutal. I would probably have to say the very last pass that I shot, not the last pass that we got, because those are those two F-35s mm-hmm. that I missed in my, my cameras in my backpack. I'm an idiot. Yep. Um, though the last one before that, VFA right. 137 Super Hornet, uh, just gave it the full beans and a half. Uh, burners and everything. The sun was perfect. I shot it at one six fortieth the whole way through. Nice. Um, just so I got a, some good definition on the rocks and the the burners. Um, had some nice lighting on that one too. Yeah, beautiful light on the airframe. Um, so the canyon is shadows thrown throughout the canyon. Uh, at times completely black, and the airframes just lit up perfectly how you want it. What was your favorite pass? Um, I would say when that Super Hornet on day, was that day one, when they uh, did like three or four passes? BX-9, that growler? Yeah, that was was pretty intense, but my favorite still probably that very last after yours, when those two F-35Cs came in at the end of the day. Um, I just think I thought it was exciting just to get that experience that no one wants to have, but you're heading to your car <laughs> and everyone's looking and you hear something and then sure enough, two F-35s come down and I just went as fast as I could, which wasn't very fast, um, closer <laughs> to the edge and try to get some shots off. Granted, it was high ISO and everything, but it was just all that excitement just to finish it off. I thought it was great. Yeah, that was boiling rage and I think for the, me. the first, first jet actually had uh, some lights on it too, which was nice. The slime, slime lights? lights yeah. yeah. Mike, what was yours? I'm gonna have to go with the unicorn man. I think it was yeah. like the the second day when we went down to um, the saddle and uh, the harrier came through. That was pretty cool. Now you said there was something special about that one, wasn't there? Yeah, that was the like the color bird, and it had a test tank on it. So the the one tank on the uh, on the is it the left wing is bright yeah. orange. Mm-hmm. That one's a little different. And I'm so happy with the shots that I got. I would I didn't bump my shutter up and. Uh, so they basically pan it the whole way through, and nice. I got a few great, great shots out of that. One three twentieth, right? Yeah, one three twenty is the magic number for me in there. Um, I will go lower. I usually, like the lowest I'll go in there is a hundredth. Um, you know, I know I'll get like two or three good shots that way, but one three twentieth, you bang most of them out, and you get the just the proper like all the clarity and a lot of motion in the rocks behind. Yeah. That um Nick for reference we're talking about shooting from was it the saddle? Yeah, the saddle. Uh, we get that nice edge. Yeah, so you're looking at the jets like down as they're making that corner in front of you. Um top side, like front three quarter and top side. But yeah, the first night after uh after all the fun and excitement, we went down to the uh Alabama Hills uh to do some nighttime stuff and mike tried to try to get us uh stranded kill us out there in the desert that was me 
<laughs> no, that was uh, that was the second night. Oh, that was the Joshua second trees. night. Yeah, yeah. I got you. yeah, that's right. You guys, you guys both tried Jumped to kill ahead. us. That's right. <laughs> Everybody had a shot at killing Nick. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, we linked up with Mike afterwards and drove into the Alabama hills to a, a spot that he knew uh, to go find the arch, and we had a celebratory drink and uh, walked down a short path and found this sweet arch rock and mike got some uh mesh and steel wool and lit it on fire and swung it around for some long exposures and what's funny is his shot is probably my favorite out of all of ours and uh james just james had to click had, the shutter had, had, yeah. <laughs> it's half the credit <laughs> do you want to talk more about that spot mike that's a really cool spot it's a great spot i mean i've hiked out there before um it's just this really cool arch that you know you look out one side and it goes out to the desert and you look up the other side, and there is um, Mount Whitney, which is, you know, the highest peak in the the lower forty eight. Uh, so you get yeah. these beautiful, you know, granite slabs and spires um, with some snow on them. You know, especially that time of year, this time of year, and uh, yeah, they, it just frames up nicely. You know, day or night, it's it's a cool spot. We had a few stars, excuse me, that night. Um, it was hazy. We we had a few stars. Yeah, if you if you play with the sliders a little bit, they really pop out. But then you lose everything else in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we uh we did more of the steel wool stuff um in some other spots that looked pretty cool mm-hmm. in the rocks. Until the steel wool like flies off and darts at your head. <laughs> <laughs> right. There, Mike shot a fireball at James's head. <laughs> Um, startlingly accurate from 30 feet out. Um, it takes, a lot, really well, it takes cool. a lot of practice. I've, I've been working on that. <laughs> the flamethrower. <laughs> that was, that was really cool though. Um, that's not something I'd ever done before. And, uh, that was all Mike's idea, by the way. Yeah, it was cool. It was fun. That night when we went out and did it at the, uh, the Joshua tree, you guys remember that airplane that flew really low that we couldn't figure out what it was, or mm-hmm. but it was just massive? <laughs> yeah. That was our second day out there, the Tuesday. Uh, we went out to shoot a Joshua tree, and we had walked a good uh, 50 yards off this dusty trail to the Joshua tree that we were going to shoot. And was it afterwards or before? It was on the, our way back. It was on our way back? Yeah. When we were so trying we, to find the car, and we couldn't. Yeah, so we shot the Joshua tree uh, with the same burning steel wool idea um, at sunset. But by the time we finished, it was it was black night in the desert with no stars or moon. And uh, as we were walking back to this car, this jet overflew us with these weird slewed lights. Um, there was nothing balanced about it at all, and we couldn't see see the um, the silhouette. And I, I don't know. Do you guys have any ideas about that? I have nothing. No, I don't know. aliens. I don't know. Yeah, it had to be aliens. It was massive. It wasn't a helicopter. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. It was relatively uh, quiet too, if I remember. It wasn't yeah. all that loud. And it was low. It seemed like it was low. Yeah, it seemed it seemed really low. It was like unsettling, like how low that was. Yeah, I felt a little weird in my stomach. But uh, apparently it scrambled James' brains a little bit, <laughs> and uh, he was leading us back to the car, but he kept like pulling left, and I I started feeling weird about our path, 
My left leg is shorter than the right one. <laughs> I walk with a gimp. <laughs> but we kept going left until we were parallel with our road and then walking away from the road. And I think I I looked back to what little light was left on the horizon and uh, found the mountains um, and just remembered how we had come in and peeled off. And I found our road and we were probably a good 300 and Something 50 like yards that. deeper into the desert from where we started. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were heading in definitely the wrong direction until you <laughs> <laughs> until you kind of found that, that marker. That My bad. That, that had the potential to be really ugly. Like, oh, this is how people die in the desert. I think you mentioned that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I think more than once. <laughs> I was like, man, this is how I go. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But the, uh, well, the morning, that morning, we actually did some sunrise shooting at uh, Owens Lake. Yep, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, as the sun was rising, uh, kind of hit certain parts of the the mountain range behind Lone Pine. Um, didn't didn't have clear skies, but the, the clouds were nice. Yeah, the mountains were gorgeous still. Yeah, it was tremendous. Yeah. I didn't mind getting up that early. And I hate getting up early. <laughs> um, Mike pointed out some, uh, what were that, mountain lion tracks? Yeah, there was uh, some kind of big cat. That was definitely a cat, and it was very big. Yeah, yes it was. Um, but we spent the day two at, um, was it the amphitheater or Saddle? Uh, to the Saddle. Saddle, okay. Um, and we got about 22 passes, or 21, whatever it was, 20. Another good day. Mike got his Harrier. Uh, we got a couple F-15s that did some um, mock dogfighting over Panamint. That was really cool. That was that neat might... to watch. Definitely. Yeah. Above the mountains, above the the sandy plain they call the dog the dog bone, they, uh, they did a, a couple mock dogfights. They were turning on each other pretty tight, and then they kind of like hung out beside each other and like stood the jets like on their thrust and kind of um, like high angle of attack, like surf through the air a little bit and played around. And uh, it was about 10 minutes of that, wasn't it? Uh, probably something like that. Yeah. Before they flew off. It was that cool was just to sit back and watch it. Yeah. I only took a couple photos, um, but we were all just silent watching for 10 or 15 minutes. That was cool. I am kind of curious. What's your, what was your guys lens of choice for the whole time? Uh, when I'm out there, I shoot with a two to 500, um, at 5.6. It's a Nikon lens. Um, I shoot Nikon, um, with a D 500, uh, which is a crop sensor. So like my effective reach is 300 to 750. Um, and there's times I have to back off. I can't get all the way in all the time. Um, and it's, it's a great lens, great value lens, uh, does the job. It's nice and sharp. Nice. James, what were you using? Uh, uh, I had two. I had my uh, Sigma 150-600 Sport, and I also had the Canon 100-400. Um, I actually looked this evening, kind of, to see what the stats were. Um, I think I used the 150-600 probably on like 60-65% of my shots. Um, I had the Canon 1DX Mark II and the Canon 5D Mark IV, both full frame. Um, 
And again, it was probably about 60, 60, 70% with the 1DX Mark II as far as shot count goes. Uh, probably happier with the 5D Mark IV shots, though, just because there's a little bit more megapixels to play with. But 150 to 600 I used probably more than anything. Interesting. Um, I was using the Canon 7D Mark II, which is a crop as well. Um, and my 100 to 400 Mark II. Um, for all of the flying stuff, that was what I was using. And like Mike said, I had to back out a good bit for certain passes. Um, it's nice to be able to do that. It would have been nice to add a little bit more reach as they were diving in. Mm-hmm. Um, along the mountains, I would have liked to have been able to get out there just a little bit more. And same on the other side towards Panamint, I would have liked to get just a little tighter. But uh, yeah, it's um, if you had a 24 to 105, you could do good stuff with it. Same with a 24 to 70 or, you know, like with any lens choice, you could do something cool with it. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of that landscape is that, you know, you're not just focused on focused on the jets. Um, right. There's a lot more to it, and there's a lot of different ways to add context to it. And, um, yeah, you don't need a bazooka to go out there and shoot jets. But you can, though, right? You can, and it sure is fun. <laughs> there was a guy the second day we were there. I uh, made my way most of the way from our position to pretty much the exit of the canyon and those big boulders up top there. And there was a guy probably 50 feet down the rocks um, with a lens that was probably the size of my leg. Uh, I'm 6'2". I got long legs. It was a big lens. Um, I was actually going to say what's up to him when he, he was like, coming in! And, you know, I'm standing at the very edge of the canyon teetering on top of like one of the biggest boulders as I try to like climb my way down and a jet's coming in. I'm like, great. <laughs> did you get the shot? I did get the shot. And then a second one came through and I got that shot too. And then I was shaking on top of that rock. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to come down and just walk back to you guys. <laughs> but that's the, that's the call of the canyon coming in or jet. Mm hmm. He was nice enough to throw it up for me. Um, the third day, we also spent back at Pano. Um, and I we had great weather that day. Yeah, it was a gorgeous day. Oh, yeah, that was t-shirt weather in January. Yeah, I was in my tank top at one point, eating a sandwich. Um, I feel like we got the most passes that day, and they were also the best passes, I feel like. Yeah, I probably agree with that, yeah. It was a good way to close it out. Any pass is a good pass in my book. That's for sure. Um, I I remember you saying three passes is a good day. And we, at the time, we had like five or six. I was like, all right, we're rocking right now. <laughs> but it kept going. It was it was awesome. Uh, those F-15s gave us some really, really good stuff. Oh, the light on those F-15s was amazing. Yes. So happy with those photos. Yeah. I was stoked about that. Uh, we got another Harrier that day as well, dropped in over top of us. Mm-hmm. With the uh, with the Super and Chase again. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. We had another uh, set of tourists um, just kind of stop by and just come up and, hey guys, 
You're like, hey. Everyone's just kind of like hanging out. <laughs> what, uh. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? Waiting for jets. What, like, fighter jets? Yeah. Well, what, what do they do? Oh, they fly through the canyon. No way. <laughs> and then it, almost every time someone stopped by and had that conversation with us, you know, a jet would show up. There's always two certainties when you're going to get a pass. Like, one is, like, a tourist who just stops because they see cars. As soon as they get to the top of the hill, there's a 95% chance you're going to get a, a jet. <laughs> and the other time is when somebody packs up their stuff and walks away. Those are the those are the good omens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to help you guys out that third day. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> well, everyone was leaving at that point. But Nick, he he did the ultimate sacrifice of putting his camera in the bag and zipping it up. Yeah, I remember looking back after they both went through and looking at Nick's face. It was pretty priceless. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> you enjoyed of, that. Uh... I don't think he slept that night. He, he literally <laughs> lost sleep over those passes. Yeah. Didn't get any cell phone video or anything? I yeah. got cell phone video of it, and uh, I posted that with a very sad caption, I'm sure, <laughs> on my Instagram. Um, I, I just remember swearing a lot. <laughs> well, they were the, they were Charlie's, you know, mm-hmm. the F-35C is not the, you know, it's still pretty rare, especially yeah. down there. So, and it was beautiful. Oh, the way the light hit when they came around the corner and the streamers that just went yeah. for miles. Yeah. Nick's like, yeah, 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 I don't have any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have that video. It's it's kind of cool. They, uh, you know, they they drop the right wing down to dive in, and uh, you hear the the sound Ooh. swell and swell, and then just stop as they disappear around the corner. And it's it's kind of a cool uh, experience being there as opposed to on top of Pano when you can see the whole pass and hear it in its entirety, front to back. Um, that was interesting. But you just got to just enjoy it. I certainly did enjoy it, I guess, through gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, uh, Mike, you're from, you're from the local area. Do you, when you go there, do you stay locally, or do you just drive back and forth, or how does that work for you? No, it's a it's a pretty good hoof for me. I live, um, you know, closer to Tahoe than Death Valley. Um, so when I go, just depends on the time of the year. You know, in the summertime I'll camp. You know, I'll just uh, I throw some stuff in the back of my truck, and you know that'll that'll be it. That'll do. Um, wintertime, I'm a big fan of the Best Western that's right there. <laughs> they got a great breakfast, and the rooms are reasonable. I'm not getting paid for this, by the way. <laughs> um. And then also, um, there's the Panamint Springs Resort, which is, you know, like a 25-minute drive from the Canyon Rim. And, uh, you know, it's cheap tent. They have Wi-Fi, although it's you wouldn't know it. Um, good food and a phenomenal beer selection. How far is the Best Western from there? It's about an hour. It's in, it's in the town of Lone Pine, um, okay. which is just a cool, funky little Old West town. Um, I love it down there. Super friendly people. Um, there's some great restaurants that are there, and it's close to the canyon. Yeah, that's where we stayed at. Yes. Now, is that east or west of the canyon? Uh, it's west of the canyon. Okay. 
Yeah, so the canyon itself is like, I don't know, so it's, you know, you're about, what, three hours from Vegas? Mm-hmm. Um, three, three and a half hours from Vegas, and that's that's the next town if you go east. Um, I mean, you'll hit, like, Rachel, um, or, yeah, I think I think that's Rachel, where the, uh, the uh, Storm Area 51 people gathered. So, but that's, like, really just a gas station, a brothel, and a mini-mart. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Covered. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, from Los Angeles, it's, it's probably like a three hour drive from Los Angeles. You know, if you were to take a flight to LAX, it'd probably take you about three and a half hours if you had good traffic, which I don't think happens anymore. It's all just bad traffic. Yeah. That's what I hear around here. That, of course, that's the standard New York City. Yeah, it's just a it's a cool spot. When I drive down, I take three ninety five down, and all the eastern Sierras. You know, I go past Mammoth, um, up through Carson Valley. It's just it's beautiful country, and it's so untamed. Um, you know, the next city. You know, there's a couple of small little towns um, along the way. There's you know Bishop, um, which is a neat little town. It's not very big, and then really you just go until you get to Reno. Everything else is small. Um, exceptionally small and exceptionally wild in between. And it's just, it's a beautiful drive. I love it. Lots of stuff to take pictures of, um, funky little places to eat, and just incredible scenery. I'm curious, Mike, how long have you been shooting, just in general? In general? I got my first camera when I was 13. Um, That was in 1986. That same year, um, Top Gun came out. And my dad lived in San Diego, so the first time I really used it, except for a few shots of buddies, uh, was at the Miramar Air Show, um, the year Top Gun came out, which was incredible. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, I've been taking pictures, um, you know, ever since. I really kind of got into the aviation thing in 2016. Um, I was kind of dealing with some health issues, uh, wasn't able to do a lot of the, my other extracurricular activities and, you know, I've always loved jets. Um, and really, I think I was reading like Foxtrot Alpha or maybe it had already changed over to the war zone, but there was an article on, um, you know, basically Star Wars Canyon with a bunch of photos by Rich Cooper and then a link to his website. And so... I was like, oh, I don't have anything else to do. Um, let me, I'll, might as well just check this out and see. And I saw a trip that, you know, the canyon was included. And, you know, there was a couple of other really cool things that were on there as well. So I signed up and then I got a camera. Um, my D500. I had a D3200 at the time that I would use, like, you know, to take traveling with me. Um, but I bought that camera specifically for aviation photography, not knowing what the hell I was doing. Just knowing that I wanted to do it. Um, so that's what I did. Got the D500, ran the lens. Uh, we did all kinds of cool stuff on that trip. Um, I was actually waitlisted on that trip. I uh, sent my stuff in like an hour late and uh, got an email from Rich saying, sorry, uh, you know, the trip's all booked up, but we'll keep you in mind if, if anything changes. I said, okay. So I was a little disappointed about that. And then you know, a week later, he's all, yeah, we had last minute cancellation. You still want to do it? I was like, hell yes. <laughs> that was the trip you got the uh, Dutch F-35s, is that correct? Yeah, so my first trip to Star Wars Canyon, we had a total of 86 passes. 
<laughs> I mean, granted, it was only five jets, but it was uh, it it was pretty amazing. The, the first pass, actually, one of my favorite photos I've ever taken was the first pass. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was taking pictures of landscapes. It was like the accidental pan, and it was perfect. Uncropped F fifteen, full, just fills the frame, and it's tack sharp, and I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember like. You know, the jets had kind of gone off and around, and, you know, we'd get, like, two minutes between passes, and, uh, you know, everybody would be chimping. I remember looking up at Rich and saying, uh, trip is worth it. It's, uh, it's, it's already paid for itself just with this one photo. <laughs> just because it, it just felt that good about it, just in the back of the camera. That's awesome. Yeah, that That's was a great uh, feeling. That was a, that was a great trip. Rich is a good dude. Yeah, super good dude. Steve is a great guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, I don't want to turn and, it into a, a co-op love fest, but if you get the opportunity, I highly recommend it. It's so well worth it. It is action-packed, and they take care of everything for you. All you do is show up and shoot. All right. Yeah, we were able to shoot with both of them at Seymour uh, Johnson this year. They were there, and we happened to be there, too, and ran into them. It was good talking to them. Yeah. Yeah, the second time I so I've I've done two. So the other time was during a red flag. So we shot at red flag, um, in March of 2018. And then we went to the canyon the next day, and it was, you know, 46 passes. It was a it was a very busy day, but it was cool to see. You know, everything had something under the wings too, that wasn't uh, you know clean jets. Those are two uh, two very memorable days. I've been out there before, or other times, where Frank uh, Krebis has been out, and mm. he's had something arranged with the Dutch, you know, doing work for them. And then just, you know, being able to, to benefit from his hard work, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, and you get these incredible, you know, passes where, you know, you hear him directing traffic on the radio. Um, uh, can you, you know, come in a little tighter, a little faster, all that good stuff. Um, but just to see someone work like that and then just to be able to ask questions, um, it's, I've been very, very lucky with that. Yeah. That's, those are some of the greats right there, Steve, Rich and, uh, Frank. And thankfully, I mean, I live close enough to where, you know, it's not an easy drive. I mean, there's no easy way to get to the Canyon. Um, right. You know, it's not close to anybody unless you just happen to live in Lone Pine. Um, but, you know, I'd, for a while there, I was coming down once a month. You know, I've probably been, you know, 30, 35 times. Um, you know, sometimes I'd go more than that. And I've, I think I've only been skunked one day as far as like not getting a pass. But you always hear jets overhead. And again, it's it's more like fishing. And that's why we say one pass is a good day. Three is a great day. Um, anything else is just, it's pure gravy. I agree with that. Just hanging out there was really enjoyable. We were playing around with the California mouse one day that was running away with some of our friends' flaming hot Cheetos. Um, for an hour, we chased this thing around when there were no jets. <laughs> just hanging out, but it's a it's a great place as far as like just being able to kind of contemplate life and nature, and you know, if there's not something overhead, you really hear nothing but your own heartbeat and the thoughts in your head and that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a little whistle of the wind, but it's a, it's a pretty desolate place. 
Um, but it's absolutely beautiful. I second that. And when you're sitting there, it almost feels like the desert breathes with you in a way. You can kind of like sense it. It's incredible. Well, I think with all that, do you guys have any other closing thoughts about the canyon? I will say that that was probably my favorite trip that I've personally taken in my life. Um, it kind of checked all the boxes. Um, and I, I would have done the trip even without Jets. But uh, Jets is just an incredible bonus. Um, it was just really enjoyable. The time out there it was kind of free of, um, like free of media and free of screens and pixels and free of hustle bustle. I'm from New York City, so that's really something I seek. But uh, it was peace, pure and simple. And then you know, a couple moments of stark, sheer joy, and then back to you know peace which is a great way to spend a day. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. That's probably my favorite trip I've done, um, probably ever. It was, like Nick said, it's just, everything about it was just great. The beauty of the landscape, the jets, obviously, hanging out with good people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely miss it. Look forward to get back there. Hopefully, at some point, they start flying again and get out there and do it all over. Yeah, that's the one thing about the desert and, you know, the canyon even the tourists that stop by, you know, you're dealing with a bunch of like-minded people um, that are, you know, in a spot that, you know, they want to be in. And you just kind of share that. It's always like a good energy. You know, I've never really seen like any kind of drama between anybody up there. It's usually people that are just super, super psyched about all the same things. Being in a great spot, seeing jets and, um, you know, talking, learning getting to know people. It's a good time. Well, that's been awesome. I, uh, I really want to get there one of these days and, um, sounds like an awesome time. You guys did some awesome work and, uh, can't recommend that people check out, uh, the story called rainbow on, on the full disc website. So, uh, with that, Nick, do you want to let everybody know what's going on in full disc aviation? Yeah, we've got some, uh, upcoming stories. From Robert Griffiths and uh, Raphael Duncan's got a uh, gallery from Atlanta, I believe. Um, there's a piece that I wrote for Wings Magazine back in 2016. It was the first aviation piece I ever wrote. Um, and with their blessing, uh, thank you, Jack, we're re-releasing that through Full Disc Aviation with the forward um, that I deliberated on um and uh we'll release those in due time um i believe we have a uh, tip of the show james you want to tell everybody what the tip of the show is uh tip of the show for this episode will be sensor dust at slow shutter speeds um when you're shooting at slow shutter speeds your aperture um will keep a lot of We'll try to focus on everything, which includes any dust you have on your sensor, and it'll show up as dust spots. Um, some people new to shooting at slow shutter speeds um, have had issues with it and trying to figure out how to take care of it. Um, there's little handheld blower things. You take your lens off, um, and you blow up inside there, and it should help. 
I know on the Canon, if you go into your menu system and you actually select manual, clean the sensor, it will lift up the mirror, expose the sensor, and then you use a blower there. And that helps get rid of some of it and we'll get rid of all of it. Um, so you still have, we'll have some dust spots. That's where in Lightroom, spot removal works out pretty good. Um, it's a very important part of my workflow, even on high shutter speed stuff, just to make sure I just click on the uh, visualize spots on the spot removal tool. It kind of makes it a high contrast black and white. Uh, it will show any spots that you can't see otherwise. You just click on it, clone it out real quick, and it's pretty much done. That takes care of it. Um, some people are a little afraid of doing wet cleaning of their sensors. Um, I've successfully done it with a brand called VSGO. Um, and I think Nick Moore has used a different type of um, wet cleaning he might be able to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I use that same, uh, the VSGO system. Um, it basically is just a swab that you put a couple drops on and swipe your sensor one direction and swipe it back the other way. And uh, one thing I do find out is I wind up needing to go through about five different swabs to get it totally clean. Um, but one thing I actually uh, invested in this last summer, and I can't remember for the life of me what the name of it is, um, is actually a, uh, it's a basically a stick that has this uh, block of gel on the end of it. And you basically lift up the mirror and uh, look in the look on the sensor with a loop and identify where your dust spots are. And you basically just take this uh, little gel stick and it sticks to your sensor and you just kind of pull it off with a little pop sound. And uh, I, so far I found that it does a really nice job of removing the dust without having to involve the full wet clean. Um, you can kind of identify areas that you just need to get to and just stick it in there and pull the dust off. And then it's got another piece of sticky paper that you clip it on a couple times and it pulls the dust off of the, off of the gel stick and just kind of keep doing that until you're happy with the product. So the gel stick is, isn't the same size as your center. It's smaller and you just kind of pick the spots. Correct. Okay. It's, I would say on my, um, on my full frame, it's probably one fourth of the size of the sensor. Okay. So four, give or take four different uh, different presses in there will just about get the full size of the sensor. But Good deal. It, I don't know for whatever reason for me it just sometimes when I can literally see the the piece of dust that I can't get out of there, um, the wet clean you know I introduce that and then I smear it all over and then I've got to grab another swab and try it again to get the smear off of there. And then by the time I did that, I realized that I missed the piece of dust I was aiming for in the first place. Um, so this kind of gives you a way to, if you can see what it is that you're looking at, you really know where to just lightly touch that in there. And, and hopefully it's not attached to your sensor so tight that it just pulls right off and um, go from there. But, but yeah, I'll also echo exactly what James said, that spot removal tool in Lightroom even if you don't have anything, just uh, activate that real quick and verify because there's one thing I can say that I shot for many years not even realizing I had uh, sensor dust. And now I go back and look at it and, and it's just amazing how, how many of my shots had freckles back then. <laughs> but uh, With that, uh, why don't you guys tell the listeners where they can find your work? I'll start with you, Mike. Um. I have a website. It's uh, www.mchenryphoto.com. 
And then also Instagram at mykenry.com. That's M-Y-K-E-N-R-Y. One of the most clever names on Instagram. <laughs> it's not your Kenry. It's my Kenry. <laughs> How about you, James? Uh, you can just find me on Instagram mainly at Black Knight Aviation, B-L-A-C-K-K-N-I-G-H-T Aviation. Um, and then also on FullDiscAviation.com. Mr. Nick? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Nick's Glass Eye, all one word, no caps, no spaces, no underscores. Fantastic. And you can find me at gravity.images on Instagram and just search gravity images on Facebook. And there are two of us and I would be the one with the airplanes. And with that, I think it's going to wrap up episode eight. I really want to say thank you to Mike, James and Nick for taking the time out of their evenings to join us. This is Nick Moore signing off until next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. Full Disc Aviation is a group of aviation photographers and enthusiasts that are passionate about sharing our love for aviation with you. Visit our website at FullDiscAviation.com for exclusive interviews, stories, and photo galleries, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for frequent content updates. Also, please leave us a review in iTunes. We always welcome any feedback that can improve the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. And don't forget, Full Disc begins at 160th.